Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Facebook family, welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide, and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Hope you guys are having a terrific Tuesday. This is actually tired Tuesday for me. I am so freaking tired. That's the title of tonight's episode. I'm so freaking tired. I don't know what it is. It's got to be the whole food thing. It's like I go all day, like no carbs. And then it's like my, my energy just goes, just drops. And, and then actually I had carbs this evening because I had some leftovers from last night, which had carbs in it. And then I get really tired and then I have to take a nap. And so I was going to give this a title tonight's talk, daily dose of title. And then I thought, you know, A better title is I'm so freaking tired. But I did have a nap. But it's just a carryover. Because I'm like at that evening point now. See, my best time is actually in the morning. I, uh, hey Leslie, I uh, work best in the morning time. And like I get up early. I think this morning I was up at 5.30, maybe 6. And, uh... Then it's just like my brain just functions so much better. And then when I hit evening, I just start going downhill. And um, so then I start thinking about, you know, my topic for the day. And Leslie said, hey, why don't you do something on the brain? Uh, Revisit the brain. Leslie's one of my favorite coaches. And is it fair? Can you say that? Like, Like your coaches, one of your favorite coaches, just like your child, one of your children is one of your favorite children. You're not supposed to say that, are you? But I do it anyway. Because I'd probably say to my other coaches that they're my other coaches, but I just talk to Leslie a lot more often. So she's always top of mind. So Leslie has a presentation coming up somewhere around Joplin. And uh, she asked me to to do maybe a revisitation of the brain. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to call that the title of tonight's talk. And then as soon as I typed it, I was like, nope, I'm so freaking tired feels like such a bitter topic. So that way, I'm not locked in. So it's psychological. I'm not locked into having to talk about anything. So I have an out. And sometimes just having an out gives you a little bit more energy. And so it's like, maybe I can talk about it a little bit. But what I was thinking about along the lines of the brain is my friend, Jeanette Yoff, who I did a webinar with last week. It was really good, two hours long. She has a hand model, and I haven't watched all of, she has a YouTube video talking about it, and she's got this new kids channel called Just Chill for Kids. Check it out, Jeanette Yoff, Y-O-F-F-E. So anyway, she talks about the brain being like a fist, and I think maybe Daniel Siegel talks about this too. And essentially, this is the limbic system, and then the rest of the brain, you know, you have the the midbrain, and then you have the the upper brain, the, the frontal cortex, wraps around, wraps around the brain. So that's that's like your brain, and this is like your brain stem. 
And what we don't realize is that your limbic system is what's always pulsating and making your brain making your brain go. So think about that for a minute. It's your limbic system that's making your brain go. And that goes back to the um, scientific finding about stress. That we need stress. Like stress is a part, it is an essential part of our daily life. And Hans Slade talked about eustress, he talked about distress, and then he talked about just the stress of life. And this was a long, long time ago. Hans Slade is the father of stress. But essentially the amygdala, and this, you know, Hans Slade was talking about this stuff before we really understood everything about the brain that we understand about it now. But basically your amygdala is that is that impulse. It's that initial impulse. And your amygdala is like a light switch in your brain. It just pops on and off anytime it senses threat in the environment. It just starts, it starts to release cortisol. And that cortisol just flows through your pituitary gland over to your hippocampus. Your hippocampus is, is kind of like that part of your brain that's supposed to help regulate the cortisol. It's actually your pituitary gland, which uh, has which which holds a structure called your hypothalamus and also the hippocampus. So between those two, they form like the midbrain. And what's important about that is that your hypothalamus releases oxytocin. And oxytocin is your brain's anti-stress hormone. But what's important about that is that oxytocin is actually a learned response in the brain where your amygdala, your, your, it's online shortly after you are conceived. And that impulse is what actually gives us the stimulation to, to grow and to thrive. But all of you know when stress is prolonged, overwhelming, or unpredictable, then it overwhelms the rest of the brain. And when that happens, it can actually damage parts of the brain, specifically the hippocampus. Dendrites in the hippocampus have been known to shrink and shrivel because of overwhelming amounts of cortisol. So the oxytocin is a learned response in the brain. So if you didn't learn oxytocin early, and that development, the development of the hypothalamus literally starts in utero. All of those mechanisms start in utero. We think that, you know, so much of this is after the child's born. No, this stuff starts online in utero shortly after the fetus, shortly after the, the fetus is conceived. So shortly after conception, four weeks after conception, the fetus can hear by the second trimester the fetus is capable of psychological processing, which tells you the brain is already active and all of the mechanisms are starting, the structure is starting to show up. Now I'm I'm seeing so many children recently not seeing talking parents, coaching parents who have significant early life trauma in utero trauma and that in utero trauma from domestic violence from drug and alcohol use from insults physical insults in the womb um to then then that just carries over to a physical abuse and emotional abuse shortly after the child's born and now we're talking children who are 10 years old children who are 13 14 years old those in utero imprints are still showing up in those children's lives. That chaos, that chaos is still showing up in their lives. And what you have to understand is that that all that chaos that occurred, and this is what gets parents, especially adoptive parents and foster parents, gets them confused, is that so you have the limbic system here, which is your amygdala, but all that underneath here is your brainstem. And your brainstem is where all that trauma gets stored. So anytime your amygdala has an impulse, it has the potential 
to activate the brainstem and activate all of those old unconscious pre-verbal memories and emotions and experiences. And when that happens, it's like that, all of that activates the body and then it activates, the, then it turns on and activates the limbic system even more. Joseph Ledeau said, in times of stress, our thinking becomes confused and distorted. Now listen to this. So when the amygdala experiences a threat in the environment, which is, called, which, called, which is what causes the stress impulse, the reaction of stress impulse, then that stress impulse hits the hippocampus. If it hasn't been interrupted by a healthy oxytocin response, it hits the hippocampus. And that's what Joseph Ledeau means when he says, in times of stress, our thinking becomes confused and distorted because the hippocampus gets overwhelmed. And the hippocampus is part of your clear thinking and your short-term memory. The hippocampus is responsible for sending a clear signal to your frontal cortex. See, this is your frontal cortex. But it has to, it receives impulses first from the limbic system, then to the to the pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, and the hippocampus, and then to the frontal cortex. When your amygdala is sending those impulses that are not interrupted by a healthy oxytocin response, what comes out is crazy behavior, distorted thinking, suppressed short-term memory. You're literally unable to think clearly and learn effectively. I just today I did a webinar um, with Stacy and Darren Gagnon with uh, Task Mat Force Arizona, and it was around teachers and school and COVID, and so just talking to them about the importance of when children are in a state of stress, they cannot learn effectively. Their short-term memory is not on. So what does that tell you? Has to happen. What has to happen is that we have to make sure children are regulated. We have to make sure they are regulated in order for them to learn effectively. Tracy says, how do we help heal that, Papa? Uh, so which part, Tracy, which part? The brainstem part, because see, this is, this is the, uh, the key is when the brainstem gets activated and, it, and it's surging, it's surging and further activating and it turns on the limbic system and it's driving all this and the behaviors come out. So here we come. And what happens is we have such a great tendency because of our own limbic systems. We have such a great tendency to focus on the child's behaviors. See, when the limbic system gets activated, it goes, blah, and then we see all these behaviors. We see all these behaviors, and we come along, and we're like, ah, behaviors, and then we're like, blah. See, when we're doing all that, we're creating all that frenetic tension and energy and anxiety, then guess what we're doing? It's like we're literally watering that limbic system of our children. We're watering. It's like we're feeding. It's like, like we're adding more more fuel to the flame, which then causes them even more. And we're like, rah, even more. The more they are, the more we are, rah. Well, guess what? The only reason they're like this is because they don't have a healthy oxytocin response system. Their oxytocin response, their anti-stress response has not developed. It's not developed enough to help them regulate. It's not strong enough to help them override those impulses that come up from the brainstem. So in fact, when our children are doing this, blah, it's essentially, it's, it's, there's two, two dynamics that are occurring. One, they're saying, blah, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, which means their, their brainstem's completely open. It's completely open. Two, they're saying, blah, 
I'm stressed, I'm stressed. I can't calm myself. My oxytocin response is not sufficient. So they're, they're communicating that their brainstem is open. See, and that's why I say in times of behavior, in the, in the midst of your child's worst acting out is when you have the greatest opportunity for a breakthrough because that's when, that's when they're open and available. That's when it's showing up. That's why when parents are in the midst of a struggle with you, almost consistently a parent comes to me and they show up with a situation with their child and I'm like, great, this is perfect, this is good. And they're like, you're nutty. And I'm like, no, because this is a great opportunity for healing. Because when that brainstem opens up, blah, they're doing all this. All you've got to do is be able to keep that limbic system regulated. As you keep your limbic system regulated and you respond to them and you stay connected and you stay present, then what you actually end up doing is your brainstem ends up signaling their brainstem to, to, to calm down, to regulate. Your hypothalamus signals their hypothalamus to turn on oxytocin. And as you start doing that, as you're, you're here and you can stay present, you know, it's about staying present. It doesn't have to always, regulation doesn't always look like I'm the Buddha. It doesn't always look like I'm completely calm and at peace. Regulation just means I am present. It just means I'm not going away. It just means I'm not dissociating. It just means I'm not abandoning you. And you can be physically present to someone and be completely emotionally abandoned. So you, and you, you can be physically present and you can also, you can be physically present and still be walking on eggshells, which means you're still sending them a vibration of stress and overwhelm. You've got to be able to stay emotionally present. And emotionally present could look really ugly sometimes. Your child could be doing this, rah, and you could be you could be right there with them. In fact, just the other day, I said to a mom, son was was just elevated, 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 elevated. I said, take him into a room, close the door, and just tell him. I see you're never going to hear me say take a child and put him in their room and leave him in there. You'll never hear me say that because a child is elevated and escalated because they can't calm themselves. They cannot calm themselves. So I said, take him in the room. Now that she's got six, five other kids, luckily she had, they were all kind of settled. They were watching a, a movie or something. I work with families with a lot of kids. They were all watching a movie or something. I said, can you, do you have time to take him into another room? She said, yes. And this is after about an hour of him elevated. I said, take me in the other room, close the door, sit on the bed. If you feel safe, if you don't, just stand up and say, get it out. Just get it out. Give it to me. I'm right here. Just give it to me. And she did that. And she said he just started yelling and, you know, a lot of what he was already doing. And in the midst of his yelling, she said, this is the other thing I told her to do. Just ask him emphatically, what can I do? How can I help you? See, that can seem really elevated, but that's still emotionally present. It's still emotionally dialed in. It's still like, it's, it's like I'm paying attention to you. It's like you have all my attention. You have all my focus. I'm here. We're going to freaking get through this. You know, someone complained about me saying freaking once. That's a... <laughs> freaking is a good word for me. It saves me from saying other much more vulgar words. So I'm going to be here for you. We're going to get through this. And she said right in the middle of it, he's elevated. He's... Ah! 
And he says, oh, she says, what can I do to help you? She said, he said, I just want it. I just want it to be over. And she said, come here. And he came and climbed up into her lap and nuzzled into her and just whimpered like a little baby. And that was it. That was it. And that was, gosh, an hour and a half of an elevated experience. And she said, when he nuzzled into me like that, I could just feel that little baby. We don't see it because the little baby ah, is hidden behind the 13-year-old. What she's able to do is to continue. And I don't think he's 13. I think he's 10. What she's able to do is stay present with him in that moment. Ah, so he can eventually settle down. And it's not just settling down on his own. He's settling down because a positive feedback loop contains a negative one. A negative feedback loop cannot grow in the midst of a positive one. It's a neurophysiologic impossibility. So just that consistency, that repetition. And I say this all the time. It takes repetition of relationships and environments to heal the brain. Repetition of, of relationships and environments to heal the brain. The brain, the, the limbic system, all the way down to the brainstem, because the brainstem is actually part of the limbic system, has to have positive repetitions. Positive repetitions. Every time it opens up, if you can create a positive repetition, you plant a seed. It's going to go right back to the next time. It's going to get agitated. Boom! But what happens is that seed is sitting right there on top. It's like the seed, the positive seed, is like a little protective screen, just a small one, a small protective little film. And the more you plant those positive seeds, granted, sometimes you're going to plant a negative, and, and that, that's okay. There's so much negative to contend with already. But the more you can positive, positively Create that re relationship, that seed, and maintain that environment. You plant those seeds so that that screen gets thicker and gets thicker and gets thicker. And when the amygdala gets activated, it gets alarmed. It goes ding, 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 ding. And then it stops going all the way down into the brainstem. And in the process, without talking about a thing, non-verbally, just through energy, just through experience, those old pre-verbal memories start to rework themselves, start to rework themselves, start to rewrite, rewrite, rewrite themselves. And the amygdala, what we know about the amygdala is the amygdala does not forget a pathway. So once a pathway is formed from the amygdala, it doesn't forget that pathway. But what it can do is it can learn different pathways of reaction. So what you're actually doing is instead of giving the amygdala a, a continued reinforcement of a negative pathway, you actually start forming a new pathway. And that's how children heal. That repetition at that very basic level, and it takes two people, takes two people, and it takes our ability to stay regulated and consistent, present, understanding, mindful way, that eventually leads to the healing of our children. And we have to go through those experiences. We have to go through the pain. There's no other way around it. And the more readily we're able to approach it and the longer we can sustain it, endure it, 
just the more opportunities we have. And it is exhausting. It is hard. And so the fact that you continue to try to show up for your child, you continue to, to, to do everything that you can to, to be that positive, be that present, be that mindful force is a testament to you, how strong you are, how courageous you are. And I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, you are perfect for your child and you have everything that you need. Just keep trying. Don't give up. Hold the faith. And that's it. You guys have a fantastic evening. Remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. We can continue to react from the same blueprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or we can stop, we can slow down, take three to ten deep breaths, and choose love. And I hope you'll choose love. God bless you. Big Papa loves you. Have a fantastic evening. We'll see you. Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.